We are being sent out as a missional church today, so grab a Bible, friends. I always hate breaking up such warm fellowship, but uh, plenty of opportunity for fellowship after the service over a, over a cup of tea or coffee as well. So I'm going to be uh, continuing along in, in Matthew's Gospel at the end of chapter 9. Uh, last week it was uh, Matthew's call, and, and now they're about to be sent out. Well, friends, you might have, uh, you might have heard the story of uh, a soldier. A soldier was in basic training and got wounded in, in basic training and, uh, and had to be sent uh, to, the, to the local hospital for some treatment. His uh, commanding officer sent him off to the local base hospital for some treatment. He, he found a large, imposing building, immaculately presented, very well maintained, and, uh, and came to the front door, was confronted, uh, was confronted with a sign for the severely injured, go this way. For the slightly injured, go this way. Well, he was only slightly injured, so he turned to his right and went down a, an immaculately presented a corridor, polished floors, all very well turned out, and came to another set of doors. And the sign said, this way for officers, this way for enlisted men. So he turned to his right again and found his way down another similarly gleamingly polished corridor to again another set of doors. And that another sign said, uh, this way for party members, this way for non-party members. He took the door out through the non-party members and found himself back out on the street. <laughs> when he made his way home to his mother, his mother said, how did you get on at the hospital, dear? And he said, well, mum, you wouldn't believe it. They actually weren't much help to me. But boy, were they well organised. Sadly, this soldier's story, this, uh, this story is, is, is sometimes reminiscent of, of God's church. Sometimes we fall into the trap of being super well organised in God's church. We have all sorts of denominational structures and things going on. We're very, very busy doing things. But we're not always terribly effective. We're not always terribly good at performing the task that Jesus has given us to do. We're not always terribly effective in accomplishing our mission. That is doing what we're called to do, what we were put on earth to do. Now, last week we heard a Matthew the tax collector, tell his own story about being called and being radically set free, having his life turned around by heeding Jesus' call to follow, to be his disciple, to be his follower or, or his learner. Uh, and, but now in our passage today, you're going to see Jesus has now called his disciples. We're going to get a list of the 12 and Jesus then sends them out. It's called and then sent called in and sent out. That is the pattern. That is the pattern that we're going to be seeing. This is the pattern uh, from, from Jesus himself. This is the original recipe, so to speak, from the founder. No secret herbs and spices, just a very basic formula of what it means to be his follower. It means to be called to, to surrender your life and then to go, to come in and then to go, to be called and then sent out. Jesus is going to uh, give us a a rundown. He's going to model it for himself. You'll see, you're going to see him model it, go out, taking the good news of the kingdom of God with him, healing, setting free. He's going to send out, send out the 12. He's going to give them some warnings. This isn't always going to go well. You're not always going to be well received. 
Um, but then he finishes with a word of, of hope and encouragement. Church, this goes to the very heart of who we are. We're going to be entering into a few weeks of talking about mission. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be hearing from some real-life missionaries from amongst our midst. Uh, Sebastian flies home tonight, and he's going to be speaking to us next Sunday. Um, I got overruled by the Tuesday morning Bible study because they want to hear him preach uh, next week. And uh, so we'll just, you know, hold on to your lunch pails. We'll see how that goes. And then the following week, the team from Fiji, TG and I, are going to be presenting as well. So uh, we're going to be talking about mission over the next few weeks. But this goes to the very heart of who we are as a church. This is why we do what we do. This, is, this should be within our, our DNA. If, if being a missional church, being a people on mission, isn't part of who we are, if it's not more than just what we do but who we are, then we may as well close our doors tomorrow. This morning, I want to explore what it means to be a church in mission, to be a people on mission here in Sydney in 2023. So open up your Bible. It's going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 35. It's a bit of a longer reading today. going to be um, going right through to chapter 10, verse uh, 22. So Matthew writes this. He says, Jesus went through the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. What did he have? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are... Yeah. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. What did he give them? To drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent out. What did he do? Sent them out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, Search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the house is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, 
be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Isn't that good news? Brother will betray brother to death, and his father, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You'll be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Let's pray. God of grace, uh, we pray that you might help this passage to come alive for us. We pray that you might speak to us through it. We pray that you might help us apply it in our lives as we seek to be a missional people. Father, we pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen. Now, the word mission actually comes from the Greek meaning sent. That's what uh, mission means. It means to be, to be sent. Uh, and, and, and being sent out as a follower of Jesus is, is, is something more than we do. It's actually who we are as a people. We are a sent people. It's more than just our job. Being sent out is our purpose. It is our reason for being. It should be our attitude, our, our stance towards the world. It is the base of everything we do, not just our evangelism or our works of service. It is at the beating heart of who we are as a church. If we cease to be in mission, then we cease to be church. So we are called to get on board what God is doing, to partner with him, rather than just preserving an, an institution. Now, Jesus starts off this passage by modelling it for himself, doesn't he? Jesus goes out himself. He's not, doing any, he's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done first. At the end of chapter 9, we read that he uh, goes out, and he goes out with compassion. This is the first thing uh, that we can see here. Jesus goes out with great compassion. The Greek word for compassion here, it sort of means it's really deep moving within your gut. It's more than just have surface level feelings. It's, it's really being moved um, with, with, moved with, uh, with a real strong feeling of, of, of someone else being heard and having, having, a, having a sense of, of, of identity with them. It's a really strong word, being moved in your, in your guts for someone uh, that, is, that is suffering. And, and it's interesting to note that this compassion is something that Jesus uh, goes out with, and so too it should be our, our primal sort of motivation for going. Whenever the church goes out in mission with anything other than compassion, we're going with the wrong motivations. It should never be in condemnation. Now, I actually don't see the church doing that a lot. I think it's a bit of a trope. I think it's a bit of a stereotype. I don't actually see that happening. I think the church today that I know is more in danger of sort of going with an attitude of cynicism, perhaps, or maybe even constructive criticism. Here's how you can fix up your life. But that's not what Jesus did. He, he went out with compassion. He was deeply moved for the lost sheep of, of Israel. And indeed, he, he calls them sheep, doesn't he? He 
Move with compassion because he calls them like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a, a shepherd. We talked a little bit about sheep at uh, Maureen's funeral on, on Thursday, didn't we? Sheep aren't renowned for being terribly clever. They're not renowned for being um, particularly smart. They nibble their way into trouble. Uh, they are helpless. They are relatively defenceless animals. They don't have sharp teeth or claws. They're not particularly fast or strong. Sheep are relatively helpless without a, without a shepherd. And that is, that is how we're described. We are, we are sheep without a, a shepherd. Sheep are, are dumb and dirty is how I've heard them described before prone to self-inflicted injuries. Jesus would later go on to tell a story about a lost sheep that leaves the 99 and the, the good shepherd goes and brings back this lost sheep. This should tell us that everyone is loved equally by God. Those of us in the holy huddle here in, a church, in the church aren't any more loved by God than the lost sheep. It's the lost sheep, however, that gets the compassion, that gets the attention until it is found and, and brought home. And so too, that should be our tone. That too should be, should be our priority, the, the, the lost sheep. We should go out with compassion in, in servant mode. Also, I want you to note that Jesus went and, he, and his mission, he was proclaiming the kingdom of God in both word and deed. This is really important. We go out in both word and deed. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. He, this was Jesus' primary message. He went, the kingdom of God is near. Jesus embodies God's kingdom. God's kingdom is really just the inbreaking of God's will into the world. His domain, wherever justice and mercy and love break out, that is God's kingdom breaking out into the world. And Jesus is literally the embodiment of God's kingdom. In Jesus, the kingdom of God had physically drawn near. Jesus is God in skin going out, proclaiming healing and, and life. So he's saying the kingdom of God is, is near and we're told that he healed every kind of disease and sickness. So too we are to go out in word and deed, telling people of the hope that we have in Christ, but also caring for their, their physical needs. We go out in word proclaiming the gospel or the good news that abundant life in Christ is found. You might like to make sure that you've got your own little gospel presentation tucked away in your back pocket, maybe drawing on a favorite Bible verse. I like to, I've shared with you before, I like to use John 10.10. 10. You're welcome to use it. I picked it up from a Salvation Army officer. Now I've co-opted it as my own life verse. Jesus said, I've come, you might have life and have it in all of its abundance. Have it to the full. That Jesus Christ has defeated death that in Jesus, God has broken into the world, paid for all of our sins, all of the stuff we get wrong, all the hurtful, painful stuff has been paid once and for all at the cross of Calvary, and we are healed. The death has been defeated. God raised him up from the grave. Death no longer holds sway. Abundant, eternal resurrection life awaits for those who accept the free gift of life that it is through God's amazing grace. Amen. You don't have to earn it. It's freely given. So he's going out we, to go out and tell people this good news about Jesus Christ. But it's more than that. We have to live it out as well and actually help people in their physical needs. The church has always got a, had a long, proud history of going out and, and offering healing and teaching and education and liberation. All of these things that 
that the world needs. The church has a long and proud history of being in mission, caring for people's physical needs as well. Whenever the church down through the years have sort of left out one side of that equation, the word and the deed, it's the two sides of the same coin, we always sell the gospel short. Whenever we simply go proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ without actually looking after people's needs, tending to their needs, we make a mockery of the gospel. And when we only go out and look after people's needs without letting them know why we're doing it, well, then we're, we're just doing social work at that point. We need to be out there in word and deed, doing, doing both of those things together. So Jesus has gone out and he has, has done it. He's, he's gone out with compassion to the sheep without a shepherd. He's proclaimed God's kingdom in word and deed. And then he gathers his disciples and says, Righto, you do it. It's your turn. So at the start of chapter 10, uh, Matthew gives us a list of all that the 12 apostles. Uh, apostle actually just means sent, the sense ones. They are the, sort of the, the foundational disciples. So he gives us a, a list of the 12 and says, it's your turn. Now you blokes, get on with it. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So now it is, it is your turn. Now what I want you to note about these 12 men is how ordinary they were. There was not a religious professional amongst them. Can anyone call out for me your favourite apostle? Does anyone know? Who, name some apostles for me. Who were they? Thaddeus. Yeah, we don't know much about Thaddeus. That's an interesting choice. Interesting one. We don't know anything about Thaddeus. Who else have we got? Peter, of course. Peter was a fisherman, right? He was rough and ready, bit of a scoundrel, foot in mouth disease, always getting things wrong, right? He actually abandoned Jesus in his hour of need. Who else? Nathaniel. Yeah, absolutely. You don't know a lot about Nathaniel. Who else? Thomas the doubter. Yeah, absolutely right. He couldn't help himself. He doubted the resurrection, didn't he? Yep. Who else? James and John, sons of thunder, a bit hot-headed James and John. They were also a little bit uppity. They were also a little bit up themselves. They also wanted the, the pride, the pride place beside Jesus at the banquet. So they were a little bit sort of uh, a little bit sort of keen to sort of make sure that their own stocks were raised as a result of following Jesus. Always, always a little bit of that going on in the church as well. Maybe if I hitch my, my wagon to Jesus star, it'll reflect well on me as well. Who else have we got? Judas, of course, absolutely right. Judas famously betrays Jesus, doesn't he? Uh, there's always been people in God's kingdom a little bit more interested in the gold than in God. So none of these men are superheroes. None of these men are superstars. These are ordinary fellows. Not one religious professional amongst them. These are ordinary people. These are ordinary citizens. I also want you to note in Luke's uh, gospel, he, Jesus, this isn't the only time Jesus sends out the 12. He actually sends out 70. He actually sends out a whole bunch of people to do exactly the same sort of thing. This is not just for the in crowd. This is for all of us. This is for you. There are to be no consumer Christians in the church. This is all of our job. Uh, listen, there are some hands that only you can hold. I came across this concept this week, and I wanted to pass it on. There are some hands that, if you're relying on the minister to do this work, the church is in a lot of trouble. This is all of our job. There are some hands only you can hold because of where God has placed you. There are some hearts, some broken hearts, only you can bind up because of the people that God has put in your sphere of influence. 
God has placed you where he needs you to be, to, to be a missionary, to be his representative, to be his ambassador, where he has placed you, where he has planted you. There should be no consumer Christians in the church. Please, friend, don't turn your back on the mission field that God has given you this week. So he calls them in, he sends them out, he gives them authority, where that he gives them authority uh, to drive out impure spirits, to heal. He gives them power to heal. In verse 7 and 8 of chapter 10, again, he says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. It's a very simple mission statement. Go and, and, and bring freedom, bring healing, bring wholeness, bring abundant life to those you encounter. There's no long doctrinal statement to memorize, uh, a simple message of the healing power of the kingdom of God having drawn near. He gives them some practical advice as well. I love the little bits of practical advice that he gives them as he sends them out. He, uh, he says, um, don't take any extra supplies. He says, travel light. Another really good piece of advice in life, I reckon. Don't become attached to the things of this world. Travel light through life. Don't take any extra cash. Yes, a worker is worth his wages, and you will need to be resourced for the journey, and that is right and proper that that happens. But, but don't be extravagant. Don't be flashy. Don't be showy. He says enough is enough. He tells them to stay in one house rather than moving around from place to place. I reckon this is a really good a really good model for us that I actually see modelled in this congregation and in many others of faithful servants who stay put and who love and serve those around them, some of whom are very hard to love, some of whom give very little in return and they do it year after year and frankly decade after decade. Bless those faithful, faithful saints. We remain faithful, stick with it is what Jesus is saying here. But then the warnings start. Uh, the warnings start in verse uh, 14. He says, uh, but when, if someone doesn't heed the message, if someone doesn't listen, if someone doesn't want to know about it, uh, he says, you're to shake the dust off your feet. Now, this is a really strong statement from Jesus. Shaking the dust off your feet would be something that the good Jews would do when they leave Gentile territory to return home. It was about being, not being contaminated by filthy Gentile dust. They didn't even, want the, didn't even want the dust off their feet in their precious, clean, pure Jewish territory. So it was a really strong rebuke. But you remember, Jesus is sending them here to Jewish towns. So this is a really strong rebuke to Jewish people themselves. It would have been quite confronting, quite offensive. You're shaking the dust off your feet, even amongst the Jews. This is a really strong statement from Jesus saying, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your pedigree is. Matthew's very big on this in his gospel. Doesn't matter if you belong to the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. None of that matters. What really matters is that you accept God's kingdom for yourself. Your religious pedigree, your breeding isn't going to help you. It would have been quite offensive uh, at the time. Jesus is unapologetic about the need to boldly proclaim the truth. He even references Sodom and Gomorrah, strong stuff for any, for any Jewish audience. 
Jesus is being quite upfront with his followers that this isn't all going to be beer and Skittles. This is actually going to be rough. This is going to get pretty tough at times. He's letting them know there's going to be some pushback. He's letting them know there's going to be some people that are not going to like what you've got to say. Jesus' message is going to be offensive to many people. In verse 16, he actually says he's sending them out. Again, the sheep references, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. This is what Jesus is saying. He's being quite upfront for, about it. He gives us uh, some more practical advice about that. He said this wonderful line to be as, as, as shrewd as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. Jesus is saying, I'm sending you out in a hostile territory, so be smart about it. Don't invite hostility, okay? You need to go out of your way to welcome confrontation. Think about what you're saying. Don't cause unnecessary offence. But even still, in verses 17 through to 21, if you've got it open there, Jesus says what they can expect, and it's pretty rugged. He says, you'll be handed over to the authorities. He says, you'll be flogged. You'll be hated. You're going to be betrayed, even by your own family members. And in some cases, you'll even be put to death. Jesus message, the gospel, is going to be offensive. Jesus makes claims to ultimate truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. This is offensive stuff still today, particularly today. I want to share you a story, uh, a somewhat humorous story from the annals of history uh, about a very famous person who got offended by the message of Jesus Christ. Back in the 1700s during the Evangelical Awakening or the Evangelical Renewal, George Whitfield, one of the founders of Methodism, one of the traditions in which we belong here at church in the marketplace, was out preaching up a storm. And a member of high society, a member of the aristocracy, actually came to faith through George Whitfield's preaching. The Countess of Huntingdon, thank you very much, uh, became a, a Jesus follower. And she subsequently became so passionate about uh, trying to bring all of her aristocratic friends to come and hear Whitfield preach, that she would send out letters inviting them along. But one of her friends, uh, the Duchess of Buckingham, uh, wrote a sniff-snippy sort of letter refusing her invitation. This is what she wrote. It is monstrous. I don't know what her voice was like, but I'm assuming it was, it is monstrous. Everybody say monstrous. It is monstrous to be told that you have a heart as sinful as the common wretches that crawl on the earth. This is highly offensive and insulting, and I cannot but wonder that your ladyship should relish any sentiments so much at variance with high rank and good breeding. I'm picturing Maggie Smith from, uh, from some of those... English upstairs, downstairs shows. She went on to sniff that these evangelicals, as they were known, were repulsive and strongly tinctured with impertinence and disrespect towards their superiors. This lady was outraged by the suggestion that these upstart Methodists were saying that all people, everybody everywhere, was equally in need of salvation, was equally sinful and in need of God's saving grace. And she was distressed that her friend had fallen under their spell. It's but one example from history, a famous example from history, but there's plenty more that we could point to. Maybe you've experienced it for yourself. 
In fact, if you're doing it right, we can probably expect it. We can be certain of it. It, it, it will come. Jesus, Jesus tells us to expect this sort of pushback and, and even hatred. Of course, in many parts around the world, people are paying with their life for their faith. Praise God that's not happening here in Bondi Junction, but let's be honest, that has always been part of the story of God's church. So let me ask you, church in the marketplace, are you up for it? Are you up for this? This is what we're called to be and do. We're not called to be some cosy religious social club. As much as we enjoy each other's company, that's not actually what we're here to do. We're here to be on mission, proclaiming Jesus to the lost sheep. It's not all doom and gloom, however. Um, in, verse, uh, in verse 19, Jesus says, Don't worry, however. Don't worry about what you're going to be saying when you're called up, when you're... When you're arrested on trumped-up charges, don't worry about what you're going to say or how you're going to say it. Because he says you'll be given what to say. God's Holy Spirit will be speaking through you. Isn't that good news? What a wonderful comfort for when that time comes. How do we handle the pushback that we're going to receive? Well, we need to know that we're not alone. We'll never be alone. The Holy Spirit will be speaking through us, witnessing even when we're in the dock. What good news that is. And our passage ends with, a wonderful promise that those who stand firm to the end will be saved. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in closing, I want to just quickly present to you a few marks of a missional church. In 2023, what does this look like for us? How do we contextualize this stuff today? Uh, to be a missional church is, is to have an, have an outward-facing attitude in all we do. Um, it it, it realises that church is not about me. If you've come to church this morning uh, thinking, well, I've come to be fed, this is all about me, I've, I've, got some, I've got some news for you. Church isn't actually about you. It's my job as, a, as an under-shepherd, I suppose, to make sure that the flock is, is, is fed and watered and, and, and protected and, and equipped for mission. But we shouldn't come to church on a Sunday morning expecting to have my needs met. We come we gather together to equip ourselves to encourage one another for mission out in our world throughout the week. Many churches have slipped into what's called maintenance mode. They're sort of trying to preserve the institution, circle the wagons and stem the losses. Any church that tries to do that is on a sure path to a demise. As soon as you try to preserve the institution, you know that the end is near. The only way in these difficult times to make sure that our church family grows and thrives is to be outward-facing, to be missional in all that we say and do. So here are some marks of a missional church that set us apart as a missionary people. We are a missionary people adopting a missionary stance. So uh, there is a, a number of them. Uh, I'm going to read through them. Uh, maybe as I go through, check them off in your mind. Is this me or do I need to do some work on this? A missional church sees themselves as representatives of Jesus in their community. A missional church does not exist for the benefit of its members. A missional church knows it is more than just a dispenser of religious services or a place where people come for their weekly spiritual fix. A missional church is not just a place where mature Christians come to be fed and to have their needs met. A missional church 
uh, knows, knows it is more than just a haven in a heartless world. A missional church will engage the culture around it without being absorbed by it. That's a big one. We'll engage the culture around us without being absorbed by it. A missional church, rather than seeing itself as the centre of God's attention, will see God at work at everyday places. A missional church knows that even outsiders can participate in God's mission. There's many examples in Scripture, by the way, of that happening, and thereby helps them to recognise that they too are fulfilling God's plan and helps them to recognise that. A missional church sees where God is at work and names what he's up to. A missional church engages in activities like regular times of prayer, challenging people regarding the rat race and how committed they really are to living out an alternative and subversive calling. A missional church practices hospitality by welcoming the stranger to their midst, knowing that there is a deep longing within people to be recognised and given worth in a culture that is rapidly moving in the other direction. A missional church is a place of lifelong learning. A missional church sees its minister not so much as a chaplain to the gathered, but as a coach to the sent. Do you like that? The minister is not a chaplain to the gathered, but a coach to the sent. A missional church is not a place where professionals are hired to do all the work of the church. A missional church faithfully proclaims the gospel through word and deed. A missional church understands the power of the gospel and does not lose confidence in it. A missional church seeks to put the good of their neighbour above their own. A missional church will see themselves as a community or family on mission together. There are no lone ranger Christians in a missional church. A missional church gathers for the purpose of worship, encouragement, teaching, training, and to be realigned with God's missionary purpose in the world. A missional church is countercultural in its values and beliefs, but culturally relevant in its methods and practice. Let me repeat that. A missional church is countercultural in its values and beliefs, but relevant in its methods and practice. A missional church will feed deeply on the scriptures throughout the week. A missional church will be a community where all members are involved in learning the way of Jesus. Scriptural development is an expect, spiritual development is an expectation. A missional church will help people discover and develop their spiritual gifts for mission. A missional church is a healing community where people carry each other's burdens and help restore each other gently. A missional church is not just a church with a good missions program, the people are the missions program as they go out to the ends of the earth. And finally, a missional church will be totally reliant on God in all it does. My friends at Church in the Marketplace, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Amen. Let's pray to the Lord, not just that he will send out more workers into the harvest field. Let's pray that we can be his workers. Amen. Let's pray that we here are indeed his labourers, his ambassadors, his missionaries. Let's be committed to being a missional church, taking the good news of the abundant life that Jesus brings to the city, to the towns and the villages, and to the very ends of the earth. Amen? Let's pray. Yeah, loving Heavenly Father, we do pray that you might help us to indeed become a missional community. We won't simply be uh, people who are 
intent on preserving an institution or building our own private club, Father, to make ourselves more comfortable or to pump up our, our own self-esteem, Father, but you would give us a heart, give us compassion for the lost sheep. Help us to have a mindset of compassion, Father, as we go. Help us to never go with a mindset of judgmentalism, to never go with an air of superiority, but to go seeking healing and wholeness, life abundant, knowing that we have been recipients of your amazing grace and seeking to extend it to all we encounter this week. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen.